All right, welcome back. No guests today, but um, Super Bowl week. Ryan, how you that's, doing? That's my favorite part of the week, knowing yeah. it's Super Bowl week. <laughs> Stinks we don't have a guest, though. That that might happen sometimes, though, I guess. First time bound in three months, not bad. Bound to happen. I mean, hey, we, we started this back in November, and it's February, and you're just hearing us for the first time without a guest. So I hope you guys are really in for a little uh, sports entertainment and Super Bowl talk today. It's crazy that it's February, right? Happy New Year. I, <laughs> yeah, you're going to keep dropping that. Um, we're going to be in June. You're going to be like, Happy New Year. Um, you'll be in like a concert, like a Zoom meeting, like from a concert. And you'll be like, hey, Happy New Year, Ryan. Good to be on the show again. Um, but I tell you what, Ryan, one thing I love doing is listening to music. And I've been doing a lot of that this weekend, uh, especially on, I'm an early 2000s kind of guy, like uh, rock, like Chris Daughtry. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm uh, very into, ironically, Sugar Ray, three, Third Eyed Blind, like a lot of late 90s, early 2000s, stuff you'd hear on American Pie. And you know where I do all that is Amazon Music. Amazon Music, I love it. What a good service that is. Yeah, I'm an Amazon Music fan myself. That's actually some of the first places uh, with my, we actually have a Prime account. So with that, um, I was able to listen for the first time to a couple new um, artists whenever I would download the albums. And, and that was actually really cool. So I'm, I'm more of a metal guy myself and like metal core, I guess, if, for those who genre please, if you will. But uh, that's the first time I heard the album Wage War Deadweight, which is one of my all time favorite albums. But uh, it's not just limited to that. Uh, it's funny you say Sugar Ray. I'm a big Sugar Ray fan myself. So uh, if you've ever heard the album Lemonade and Brownies, it's one of their first albums. It's fantastic. It has some great songs on there. But I'm checking them all out on Amazon Music, too. That's that's where I was able to hear some of these albums. And we hope that you guys will, too. Um, and we actually have a code for you. So if you sign up with Amazon Music, make sure you follow the link. That is getamazonmusic.com backslash to ryan sports so again that is get amazon music.com backslash to ryan sports uh so you all can start listening today and tell us about your favorite artists that you're listening to on amazon music as well uh, or take our recommendations of daughtry sugar ray and, and wage war or or hey just listen to drake sometimes i listen to drake in the shower really just uh get that degrassi uh drake going there uh you know but yeah get amazonmusic.com backslash one more time read that code for the people there ryan yeah absolutely we have get amazonmusic.com backslash two ryan sports uh so again it's just two ryan sports not sports show not sports podcast get amazonmusic.com backslash to Ryan sports. Let them know we sent you. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, everyone loves music, right? And everyone loves a good uh, shower music playlist. So uh, that's one of my favorite things to do. But buy or sell, then on the back half conversation corner. But look, we don't have a guest. So uh, it, we're still gonna we're still gonna break it up. Uh, obviously, you know, we still got front and back half as always. Uh, is it my turn or your turn on buy or sell? I feel like I, we always lose track of these things. You're right. This really does take out the fun because every week we ask ourselves these questions. I think, I think it's your turn. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's do I that. I think it's your turn. Um, but, but then again, we probably won't remember next Tuesday. No, when... you'll probably go first again next Tuesday, but that's. 
What what may what what fun would that be if we didn't know? That's so that is very accurate. Um, so I'm going to start with kind of a story that's so weird, uh, Ryan. So we talk about originality, and we're done with sequels. We're done with prequels. Certain things work for it, though, right? Certain things work for it, or have in the past. But I don't think this is this this is not the originality I, I want. Um, now, have you ever seen the movie Battleships based on the board game? No, I'm going to be honest. I didn't even know there was one. Yeah, so uh, Battleships, ooh, it, it's a it's a probably a three point five or a four out of a ten. It's like you can watch it, but oh boy, is it is it is it awful. Um, it's like one of those classic movies you put on cable and you could like just do anything without the day, you know what I mean, throughout your day with commercial breaks. But this is very original, weird. Whack-a-mole, the game Whack-a-mole that is in an arcade still, or I'm assuming in Dave and Buster's somewhere, board game from the 70s, mm-hmm. it's going to be made into a TV show. Whack-a-mole TV show, scripted, live action, I don't understand the story at all, um, but it's it's greenlit. It's going to actually happen. No networks picked it up yet, and or even Netflix or any of the big boys. Uh, that's original, but that's not the type of originality that I'm looking for. Yeah, can I just sell that immediately without even having to think about it? Because I just so I, and again, I've never seen the the Battleship one. But my question to you is is wouldn't the movie just be like a naval movie and somebody on the other side screaming a seven. So it's funny you bring that up. So without you even seeing it, yes, they are in the Navy. It is in Hawaii, but the other uh, enemy, if you will, in the battleship movie is like, like robots of some sort, almost like a transformers type thing. And they really feature the game like, through two or three scenes in the movie when like Rihanna is one of the actors in the movie and robots are moving around the board and she's like, you know, or the ocean, I should say. And she's like B seven hit G five miss. Yeah. It's, it's, it came out like nine or eight years ago and uh, it's, Ooh, I can't believe they're making this into a TV show. Why would you want whack-a-mole into a TV show? I, I feel like in this, day and age the only things that could work with that are ones that and kid by kids i mean just like the generation under us who are more video game based would understand what was the one it was was it called game one and it was like all the it had like pac-man was adam sandler in that yeah i didn't uh, i didn't see it because i knew it would be awful and ironically enough it was nominated for a razzie that year and i don't know if you know what a razzie is but i do okay yeah razzies are um movies that were whew, terrible you know the worst movies of the year ironically it lost by not very much but it lost by uh to Baywatch that year uh, the, the Rock was in a Baywatch movie remake um I did see that and it was very deserving of the worst movie of the year so I, I think maybe what what we may see in the future is potentially I'm not trying to give Hollywood ideas here please don't misunderstand but maybe like a Minecraft movie if that doesn't already exist because I know that's like a very popular thing or you'll see a Fortnite movie. I feel like a Fortnite movie is not too far out. People will watch that or kids will be into that. But I feel like it's hard to look back and be like, yeah, we're going to make a TV show out of whack-a-mole. 
I mean, what what is that even? How do you even get past one season? How do you even get past one episode? Yeah, I mean, the only way maybe it would work. I mean, it's what live action, so you kids love cartoons, obviously, still. So it's kind of hard to do a, like a live action kid version of that. I will say for our international listeners, um, Ryan, we're obviously we've known each other for a long time, but our international listeners and our listeners over, you know, everywhere won't understand this. But I think one movie that would be a great movie if they adapted it, uh, originality, I was thinking about the other day when we were talking about this, is the Ed Kelly story from where we're from. Mm-hmm. where he you know won the purple heart he risked his life died and his whole squadron got to safety now i don't mm-hmm. know how you do that in a movie but i mean they still do the reward award every year but i feel like that would be a fantastic movie if they were able to do that in a good script right well that's kind of my that's my whole like if you want to put my beef in an overarching sense with hollywood it's is that we have so many good stories of people and events Now, when I say good, I mean, some of these are also terrible events, but they're stories that deserve to be told of somebody like Ed Kelly or, you know, other, again, historic events that you could really make into a movie to shine light on situations. And yet Hollywood's like, huh, how about whack-a-mole? That's the, that's my issue with Hollywood. And, And that's why I've not really been intrigued in too many movies the last I would even say 10 years. I mean, certainly there's been a lot of good movies. I'm not discrediting that, but Hollywood as a whole, just diving into the remakes and the nostalgia, I think they've done a poor job overall, albeit a few good movies, but there's a lot more historical events and stories out there. You can tell, I, I don't need whack-a-mole. I, that's a, that's the, maybe the biggest sell I've ever had on this show. Yeah. Huge sell. And the last thing I'll say is if you want to talk about the best originality um, in the last 10 years of Hollywood, anything Martin Scorsese has done, but uh, Wolf of Wall Street, I'm, mm-hmm. I feel like that's one you've probably seen, right? Yep. Great movie. Yeah. Wolf of Wall Street. And then uh, I, I doubt you've seen this, but it won uh, Oscar uh, called Birdman. Um, that, that's, pro- that's probably the two. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if you ever get a chance to check out Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, it's it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Both, both of those, Birdman and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, the I, I know what Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is. I don't know what Birdman is. I'll have to look that one up. For, for our movie people out there, I apologize that my movie knowledge is next to nothing. If, if you've been long time knowing this, you already know that. So <laughs> no, um, no need to beat that dead horse, but... Uh, anyway, moving on to moving on to some sports here. Well, you know, we always go back and forth uh, looking at a sports story here. So one of the big sports news stories today is that of the world of baseball, uh, something we've touched on in this show before, but talking about baseball as a, as a later start date. So the MLB wants to back up the start date uh, to a little bit later towards the beginning of May, where the MLBPA is coming out today and saying that they want to do it on time and play the normal schedule. Uh, There's a lot of different concerns falling around this saying uh, the MLBPA wants pitchers to be ready because there's routines. And and you probably know as well as anybody, Ryan, that pitchers are are strange creatures when it comes to their routine because they get in a throwing routine and they don't want to break it. Um, There's also COVID concerns. There's monetary concerns. But um, are you buying or selling that baseball will actually start later 
with the help of the just the MLB pushing it, or is the MLBPA going to get their way and we're going to have a we're going to have an early season or a normal season? I, I guess I should say. I'm going to do a stock term because I've been uh, I haven't been watching a lot of CNBC, but it's obviously been everywhere. You know, stock terms. Uh, I'm going to hold the line on this one. I know it's um, not a buy or sell, but I'm going to hold on this mm-hmm. one because look, their relationships damaged. It was the it was the best relationship in sports before the pandemic, and then whatever happened where they couldn't agree to something until late July, early August, took everything took everything out of that relationship and you have one side wanting to do one thing and you have the other doing wanting to do another, but it all comes down for regional broadcasts and baseball because people aren't watching, you know, Sunday night baseball, I don't think in droves. Right. And people aren't watching TBS, you know, one o'clock Sunday baseball pitch offs. You know, those are the two, prime time spots of baseball outside of the playoffs. Like people aren't watching those, even the Fox games on Saturdays that are like, you know, the prime time games, if you will, you know, at eight o'clock, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a struggle and something's going to have to give. I feel like in this situation, it's probably better to start on time versus delaying because if you have two delays, you could look at a, um, a collapse in the, the CBA where, it could ultimately, you could restructure that deal and you could end up having a lockout. I wouldn't be surprised if we sat here two years or even next year, if something was to cave and they re- wanted to restructure that deal and there was a lockout. The the thing that you said actually earlier is, is what I pull out of this and that's their damaged relationship because you're right, last year was a debacle based on the, the salaries of players and, and how they couldn't get that back going. Now I understand COVID impacted that a little bit, but just the deliberations and the heated arguments between them were not necessarily great. And, and there wasn't a whole lot of clarity coming out of either side. So unfortunately, I, I think that <laughs> I, I actually like your term of holding the line because this is actually going to be more interesting to see how it plays out than saying, oh, I think it'll start later or it'll start sooner. Um, if I had to guess that it would start sooner or later, um, I would sell the later start and say too that the MLBPA will get their way to start on time because they're going to force the MLB's hand to say, look, you, we, we want to start on time and we want to be a part of that. You know, we have our routines, we're ready to go. Uh, again, I understand that there's concerns on both sides and I understand both of that, but you have to, you have to appease your players in your leagues. And, and I think that's one of the big things that we're missing here is, is that the owners in the MLB are, are forcing their, we're not forcing their players. That's, that's a strong term, but basically showing their hand at saying like, look, this is what we want in the end. And they can't seem to come to a resolution. And, and even in the NFL, when talks were heated before things came down to it and they got a deal hammered out. And of course, I think the N- NBA might be the best of all <laughs> relationships at this point. Now, Adam Silver seems to do a great job with that, but Gary Bettman has, has really shown himself the last couple of years to be uh, struggling with that relationship. And and I think it will probably continue through this too. But um, again, I like your term. I, I like that. I think that's a good, a good way to look at it because this is going to be, this is going to be something we'll talk about again. I'm, I'm almost certain of that because it'll be in the news again. Yeah. And I mean, look, the NFL is King, right They're They've been the only ones to allow fans. I mean, it's all up to the team, right? It's not up to the leagues of these, but I'm almost positive <clears throat> that, um, 
the pandemic when it was kind of easing going into the fall, if you will, easing, I, I know that's not exactly accurate, but you know, it wasn't as where we are now where it's, you know, just chaotic, you know what I mean? Chaos, right. but NBA is still allowing fans and certain teams are uh, same with NHL. Um, they're obviously way more strict, but the MLB I'm almost positive last year during the summer, during the summer when the NBA was in the bubble, NHL in the bubble. So they, they're kind of out, right? Uh, the, NA, the NFL was allowing fans. They're going to have close to 35 to 40% capacity at the Super Bowl on Sunday. Pretty sure the MLB was the only ones that didn't do any kind of fans. They just did the cardboard cutouts and you have to get some sort of ticket sales. I mean, even my gosh, even in Abu Dhabi last week, <clears throat> uh, there was fans for your fight Island at limited capacity. So there has to be something to give. And I don't know what that is going to be for them going forward, because it's also when you delay the season, this isn't really talked about. I don't think in the big picture, but what happens to the minor league teams of those ball clubs, you know? Right. Well, and, and for those who may not know, I mean, basically minor league baseball is nothing last year. There was no triple A, double A, single A, or any other leagues in there. So you know, what this does is this really hurts the development of, of these players. And, and basically what I remember from last year, and, and it might be slightly different by team, but basically the Pirates players were, they had a group that was playing in Altoona and basically playing simulated games, which were the, the best of the farm system prospects. And basically everybody else was told to pound sand. So how is that? I mean, we have to understand reality here that not everyone's going to make it to the majors. And sure, I understand that. But basically to look at all of your teams and be like, yeah, well, you're not good enough. So just go home and not get paid. Not that you're getting paid a lot anyway, but it's still it's still money that these guys expect or, or depend on. So, yeah, this this is definitely going to be interesting. Keep keep an eye on this one. Yeah. Uh, my next story. So, Ryan, are you well, you're, I don't think you're a comic book guy, right? Not necessarily. I know little, zero to little about comic books, unfortunately. Do you know anything about the Justice League? I know that it's a lot of superheroes. Okay. Justice League's like the Avengers, but the DC version. Right. In 2016, uh, Zack Snyder had to take um, a leave of absence due to, um, unfortunately, his, his son um, uh, passed away. And... Mm -hmm. It was a big tragedy, and so he stepped away, and Josh Whedon, who was second unit on that film, took over. Josh Whedon ended up redoing 85 to 90% of the movie, so it wasn't the movie that people were hoping to see. I remember laughing in theaters because I was like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. This is not what I was hoping for. Fast forward, there was a movement. <clears throat> Zack Snyder released the Snyder Cut, and all the big stars of, of the movie, like Gal Gadot, who played Wonder Woman and Jason mm -hmm. Momoa, and so on and so forth. They redid the movie and <clears throat> it finally got announced for HBO Max. And then fast forward past all that, they added new additions in the re-editing process. So there's going to be the Jared, uh, there's going to be the Jared Leto Joker. There's going to be Deathstroke. And now it has a release date, March 18th, March Madness weekend. But but in the hindsight of this, it's what everyone wanted 
the movie that all the fans wanted. And it's kind of like a power shift because that's never happened before in Hollywood. But what's going to be crazy about this whole thing is the movie, he wants it to be shown in its entirety. So it's going to be broken up into a mini series, four parts. Is the, is the mini series, the way of the future when it comes to, comes to these things, because I feel like that's the direction we're moving in with everything. Yeah, Star Wars and, and Justice League and uh, WandaVision, everything's kind of moving into a, a series now. Yeah, it, it, it's fascinating. I mean, they had to spend $20 million on re-editing the movie because it, you know, the, the original director, you know, he had to leave and then right. the new director changed everything. So he has to put all of his old footage back on there and shoot, you know, a bunch of different footage and um look none of the none of the actors like batman the actors who played batman or wonder woman aquaman none of those guys had to come back it was just like new additions that he was adding like uh like the villains i talked about deathstroke or the jared leto joker it's it's pretty amazing that this is gonna happen and um it's i i honestly think this will get dc like i know our listeners probably aren't into this um but it's probably going to get DC back on track for what they want to do in the DC movie universe, because Marvel just keeps, you know, whooping their behind and everything. And because there's so much confusion on the other end, but in the big scheme of things, Zack Snyder is one of the best directors I've ever seen do stuff. Um, he's done a lot of other good projects and I'm very excited for this. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy this one because I think this is kind of just following the trend and the norm of, of everything that's happening. And, I think this might give a little clarity to the original story then, because if, if obviously if you have to leave, it's really going to change things and your vision is not seen through, even if you would explain it as much as possible, people have different ideas of how it's going to work. So I'll, I'll buy this. I'll buy this for the fans of the justice league. I hope that this works out for those folks because again, it kind of seems like we're, we're moving into the future with the mini series idea and how that works for people where, uh, Maybe, maybe movies are going to be a thing of the past here shortly or, or very, very much, very much more. I don't think that's a saying. Much more, much more scarce in, in term where we may see this, this be a little bit more of a movement, but it seems to be working for, for most companies that have pursued it. Yeah. And um, I, I couldn't be more excited. I mean, you know, uh, it, it's going to be, uh, I, I think, incredible because when, when you don't get to see your vision come true mm-hmm. and there's a powerful movement for it to finally, it, I mean, it, what, the movie came out in 2016. It's now 2021 when it's going to be released. Think about that. It took, right. five, it took four and a half, basically five years for his vision to come true for this movie. Well, and you want to see that. I mean, obviously the events that surround it, you would, you would hope that he gets to see his project through, but you also know that there's dollars involved with it and, and how that all stacks up too. So I, I can understand how it all shakes out, but hopefully for the fans, it's everything that they wanted and more because that's ultimately what you want. So good, good for justice league and good for him too. But uh, moving into our next sports story here. So today was the first time now let's go back a couple of days here. The NFL said now when I believe it was Sunday uh, that if any player was deemed a close contact or tested positive for COVID-19, 
that they would not play in Sunday's game. That would be the kind of the end all be all is, is that if anybody was placed on that list uh, prior to the game at that point, that there would be no game for them. Uh, and it took until Monday. It only took another day to have two players put on that list. Uh, two Chiefs players. Now, not superstars. It's not Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but wide receiver Demarcus Robinson and, and reserve center Daniel Kilgore were both placed on the reserve COVID-19 list uh, as close contacts. So, Ryan, are you buying or selling the fact that COVID could have a major impact on this game if it takes away a big superstar on either end? Well, I'm going to sell it because it's almost like COVID doesn't exist on Sundays <laughs> in the NFL. I mean, like every other league has, un, you know, unwillingly – but they have delayed games or they've canceled them. College basketball, college football, the NBA, you know what I mean? The NBA has uh, canceled games and then postponed them. And, you know, er every league has done it, but it's almost like the NFL is just immune to the fact of canceling games or postponing them. I mean, when you look at them, the, the biggest problem was the Steelers outbreak that postponed them to Wednesday at three o'clock against the Ravens. But outside of that, that's not really a major setback when you think about it, because they moved everything around to cater to the teams. And it, I, I don't understand what's happening for their protocols because uh, my, my, my stepdad said it best uh, early in the season when uh, we were talking about John Gruden getting fined a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars for not wearing his mask. I mean, come on, man. Like, you're going to have you're going to have coaches get fined for not wearing a mask, but you're going to have teams having outbreaks and you're not going to cancel games. It's just it's almost like even if they're look, it's Monday. So even if there is an outbreak and I know that they're testing twice a day, the teams, but even if there is an outbreak, you're not going to tell me that they're going to delay this now. I mean, what are they going to do? Push Super Bowl Sunday to Monday or Tuesday? No. I mean, I don't understand what's happened for them to basically be like, you know what? We're not canceling games. We're just going to move it around, and every team's going to get a game in. I, I find it insane, to, to be honest with you. Yeah, every other league has canceled a game, but the NFL was the only one that has not since this has all started of the four major leagues. So, I mean, that's – Preseason doesn't count either because they, right. were, they, they were doing that to limit contact. Right. And did it yeah. – I mean, if they would have had preseason, would it mattered in the big picture of scheme anything, you know, anyway, because they still would have played the games. Yeah, well, and that's the that's the thing is, you know, preseason anyway is really just an opportunity to see what your guys can do, who you have on your roster and where you may be able to add depth and such. You're you're not necessarily shaking off the rust of the superstars. You don't expect Patrick Mahomes to play a whole lot in preseason. So you can say, oh, wow, you know, look how good Patrick Mahomes. We, we, we get that. He's not playing preseason. Tom Brady's not playing preseason. But I think you're hundred percent right. I think I would, I think I'm going to sell the fact that it's going to have an impact because at this point they're not changing it. They have not canceled a game all year. So what makes the biggest game of the year any different? It's not going to happen. They're not going to delay it a week because I feel at this point, if they had to, if, if the Super Bowl was needed to be delayed for some reason, say every player on both teams came down with COVID, God forbid, they're going to delay it a week. They're not going to do it on a weekday. It's going to be pushed back a week because they're not going to, they're not going to want to lose that spot. Uh, we, you talked about it a little bit with baseball and like how their ratings on different days are, are not as great. There's one sport that owns a day of the week and that's the NFL. They own Sundays. 
I mean, you could argue that college football owns Saturdays, but you know, the NFL owns Sunday. That's, that's the NFL's day. So they're not going to waver from playing on a Sunday, especially not something like Super Bowl Sunday. So I don't think even if, even if somebody had it, that they would be too apt to even change it at this point, because they're, they're just going to roll with it. They're not going to worry about, they're not going to worry about it as it all pertains to the Super Bowl. Cause again, too much money involved now. Yeah, here's my biggest problem, right? When we talked about going into the playoffs, you know, when we started this, what, three months ago, we, mm -hmm. we were really the only show at that, you know, that was focusing on the playoffs because the playoff picture really does take shape in November. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I feel like our, our biggest problem, and maybe you can speak different to this, is remember the Lions? The Lions didn't have a coaching staff. Why, why are they immune in week 15? Why are they getting the shaft? And having to play Tom on a Saturday at one o'clock when other teams, if that would have happened early in the season, like the Ravens, okay, who had an outbreak, they got to play on Wednesday. Then you had the Browns just a few weeks ago, man. You, you had the Browns a few weeks ago, didn't have a coaching staff. Yeah, they ended up beating Pittsburgh. But, I mean, really, me and probably not many people, you know, picked them to win, but I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. Like you could have delayed that game by like a couple days or, or something, but they didn't do it. I don't understand why some teams get the shaft and, and others don't. I think I've said that before, but it just, it makes no sense. Well, the, and, and, you know, this could sound like a crying Steelers fan. You can say whatever you want, but the Steelers were really one of the only teams this season to be adversely Im impacted by it. And, and what I mean by that is, is obviously the Lions and, and the Browns had to basically play with no receivers but the Steelers never had yeah no coaching staff in the in the Steelers game and and still dominated the Steelers but more or less you know the Steelers never had a massive outbreak amongst the team and they had two games rescheduled that basically changed their scheduling to move their buy up and then give them like four days between games now I understand that that happens occasionally and I don't and I don't discredit that but you know, there were teams that were adversely impacted or, or the Broncos playing with no quarterback. So they have to call on their practice squad receiver who had a LinkedIn profile. So you're, you're really talking about making every sacrifice possible to get the games in without doing it. And maybe it's not right. Maybe you should have just canceled games. Maybe you should have had a week 18. I don't know what the right answer is, but all I know is, is at this point, the NFL is not going anywhere on Sunday. No, and going into next year, there has to be some sort of middle ground where they say, I mean, they're adding a week anyway. So mm -hmm. there has to be some sort of middle ground in this COVID world where they say, okay, we're adding a week to the regular season anyway. Why don't we add one more? And we'll just call we'll just call it what what colleges do. We'll call it a, a second bye week, but that bye week is open for team X. And we can move this bye week around and you can have your actual bye week on week nine. And if that team has an outbreak on week nine going into the game, you just move that to the last week of the season, change things around versus playing games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays afternoons, you know what I mean? Or double headers on Mondays in October. So, yeah, I, I feel like that they, they have absolutely no, no plans to, to cancel, but, Ryan, so SNL is one of my favorite shows of all time. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but uh, Wayne's World, Party on Garth, Rock on Wayne. Um, you know, 
it's one of the best SNL skits. It was in the SNL 40, uh, along with Celebrity Jeopardy and other legendary SNL recurring skits that would take place over SNL's uh, great history. But I know we've talked about Super Bowl commercials and how it doesn't matter anymore, so I had to watch it. Did you see, I'm buying the fact that it's a Super Bowl commercial, but did you see the Wayne's World commercial? Because now there's talk of fans after they watch the commercial, there's been this massive amount of influx for them wanting to make uh, the final Wayne's World 3 movie that they've been clamoring for since like the, the mid 90s. I have not seen the commercial, so I feel that my opinion may be, uh, may be lax on that. So I, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure I will. I'm, I can't imagine I either won't see it on Sunday if it's for the game or beforehand on, on social media too. Yeah, for Uber Eats, about 30 seconds long. Um, and I, they, were, they did it really cl- cleverly in, in Wayne's and uh, Garth's character, uh, I guess con- contractually. I guess uh, you're not allowed to say Super Bowl during mm-hmm. like something like that. So they just kept calling it the big game. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, they've, they've done that kind of thing though for, for other things back in the past. I mean, the one that comes to mind is uh, Seinfeld um, during the New York Super Bowl actually had like a whole two minute uh, bit with Costanza and Jerry Seinfeld and uh, you know, fans were clamoring for that. So I, I like those kind of things. I mean, but I hope this does turn into a sequel. I know we, we just talked about originality, but those kind of things, I mean, we can just finally tie a bow around it and not have to worry about it again. Yeah, I, I, I think maybe this this could be a, a resolution. I know that, that that's one of those movies, too, that a lot of folks have a, have a heart towards and, and may want to see the, the final one play out and such. But uh, again, that's, that falls into the unoriginality category of continuing down a rabbit hole of, of the way that Hollywood goes. But I, I don't know. It's, it's almost like some movies are, are big enough to earn their keep to where people say, I, okay, okay, I'm fine with that. But there are other ones that people, what was the one that we talked about with um, Eddie Murphy? This has oh, been- to America. Yeah, this has been, I don't think I've ever heard anybody even maybe talk about that movie, let alone clamor for a sequel of it or a remake of it. So, but Wayne's World seems to be one of those movies that a lot of people have a, have a heart for, or, or they, they want to see continue or will rewatch often. So why not go for it? I'm in, I'll buy it. You know, people, people have those certain movies that they love, but I don't necessarily love the um, idea of continuing the remakes because then then what will happen is three will be good and then people are like, well, we need a fourth. Uh, yeah. No, sure. you don't. You don't. You didn't need a second. You didn't need a third. You didn't need a fourth. One's fine. I, I think one thing that makes Wayne's World so special is obviously any character is special that mm-hmm. you, know, you have to have a good movie with a good character. That's just like a no-brainer, duh. You know what I mean? But... SNL, they've done a couple spinoffs from characters from their show, Coneheads, mm-hmm. um, Wayne's World, Night at Roxbury. One of the, <laughs> Night at Roxbury is not a good movie. I, I can't even believe that they did that. I, those are the three that come to mind. And Laura Michaels has said, like, I, I can't believe Wayne's World was so successful type of thing, like paraphrasing there. But another reason I think people love it so much is um, when it came out, they uh, they did the Queen song, uh, mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody, 
and Bohemian Rhapsody ended up being number one and it got everyone back into Queen and, and, and that kind of rock music. So it's, it's, it's a fun thing. And, um, you know, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, that's okay too. But it, it's one of the more successful SNL characters and stuff. I will say about Eddie Murphy real quick. Yeah, I can't believe he did a second coming to America. I mean, the guy's filthy rich. He, he didn't need to. But I will tell you this, when Eddie Murphy, when all this is over, I will go buy a ticket to see Eddie Murphy do stand-up. That is on my bucket list along seeing Dave Chappelle do stand-up. Those are two things I have to see. Yeah, well, COVID will hopefully be eliminated, not maybe fully, but soon enough to do that. But you're right, that that often, um, I love that idea of whenever movies come out, they like bring songs back to light and people love them. I know it's not a movie, but I think of the TikTok from this past year with the dude longboarding down the freeway and everybody was listening to Dreams by Fleetwood Mac for a month. And and I would be one of those people because that was a just a great video. So and yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's not still on my shuffle, but And you can do both of those things on uh, get Amazon music. Yeah, absolutely. Check check out Amazon music and you can listen to all those great songs from our favorite movies. So you know, shameless plug again, right? So uh, one one more sports story here for everybody before we head off into our, our kind of back half here with Conversation Corner. Um, I have to switch it up to a third sport. So I have three different sports today. Ryan, there's a team that's eight and three in their last 11, and they really seem to starting to be gelling in the NBA. And that's a team we've talked about on here before, and that's the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. They really start to seem to be bringing everything together and, and kind of climbing the charts of the NBA there um, where, where we said earlier in the season, Kevin Durant may or may not be a MVP favorite. Well, he's emerging as that they all seem to be gelling together. Um, 76ers are still on top in the East um, by two and a half games. 76ers look good too. We're not going to deny that, but this is about the Nets. So the Nets, are you buying or selling that they could be the East favorite? Maybe, maybe we'll even do this one again down down the road. But are you buying or selling that in this day and age, two two of twenty twenty one, they are the favorite in the East? Well, next minute, real quick, uh, I've lost hope. Now let's talk about the Nets. Um, <laughs> that wasn't a next minute. That was a next second. <laughs> that's all they deserve right now. That's all they deserve. I I I cannot tell you. The, the the angst that I had this weekend watching them play the Clippers yesterday at 1 p.m. and then also playing uh, Cleveland Friday night. It was just – I don't understand what we're doing with people – never, never – anyway. Uh, Nets. Yeah, the Nets, I, I don't think there's a favor because I think Milwaukee's just – I feel like Giannis is very focused. I think he is so focused that it's going to be them – against each other in the Eastern Conference Finals, the, the problem will be I don't think they will still know how to play with each other. The The problem really is when you get to playoff time, you have to have guys to make decisions, and there has to be a, a point A, a point B, and a point C. In Miami, there was that. In Golden State, there was that. Even in um, uh, Cleveland, there was that, you know, with LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love. But – who who are the guys that are taking the last shot when you're down, you know, 2-1 or you're up 2-1 in the playoffs, you know, in the first round or the second round this year? Is it going to be KD? Is it going to be James? Because 
I, I honestly don't think they're going to gel well together come playoff time. And it's going to be one of those experiments we look back almost kind of like the Lakers from 2004. If you remember that experiment with Gary Payton, Shaq, Kobe, and Carl Malone, you look back at that and you're like, wow, I can't believe that happened. And they lost to the Pistons, the, those four Hall of Famers. That's what I feel like is going to happen in this scenario. You're going to look back a couple of years from now, three or four years from now, because obviously those guys are going to get want to get reshuffled around. They're not going to have the cap space. Um, like, I can't believe they did that. They, they went all in and it just didn't work. Well, the, the thing about the East is, is the East is still, I think, the weaker of the two. It's somehow, even whenever it's strong, it's still the weaker of the two conferences, in my opinion. But I'm, I'm going to buy it. And the reason I'm going to buy it is, is I think that as this team learns to gel together, they're going to understand who is taking that last shot, who is the appropriate person to do it. And it's not to discredit somebody like Giannis and the Bucks or, or the 76ers and what they've been able to do. I think it's just what's going to happen with the Nets. I think once you have more time for great players to play with each other, it makes more sense for them to understand kind of who is that last shot guy, who is going to be the, the ball handler and the, and the alpha of that group, which in my opinion, I think it should be Kevin Durant. He's somebody who has you know, controversial, controversially won his championships. I know, I know Kyrie has as well, but Kevin Durant is kind of the – I think he's the best of those three, in my opinion. So I think that he solidifies himself as that role. And not that the other two are role players by any stretch. They're two of the best players in the league. But what they're doing is, is trying to put this hierarchy together of saying, okay, now we understand that Kevin Durant is kind of our, our top guy and he's the off-ball and on-ball guy. Now we can build around that and make the rest of it make sense. So I think the Nets are only really starting to look up and potentially become more dangerous. But I don't think you can count out the 76ers, the Bucks, or, or maybe even the Celtics. They, you know, they have their moments too. But I'm, I'm going to buy that the Nets are the favorites in the East right now. Uh, time will certainly tell, but they, they are looking like they are gelling at the right time and will put more together as time goes on. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I still think it, it, you know, it's going to fall apart for him in the end, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. The Lakers are too good out West. I mean, that's, I mean, the West, the West is for a different day, but the West just, I don't know. I, I just know how LeBron James works whenever it comes to playoff times and it's just a completely different animal. So no I, talking, I, no one's talking about Dallas either. No one's talking about Dallas sitting around there in the middle pack no one's talking about the clippers sitting around in the middle of the pack they're starting to get things in a groove so but hey we we don't have a guest um but um yeah we'll, we'll um we'll keep doing this here and uh we're, we're, we're gonna keep trucking along all right so moving along here conversation corner and conversation corner always uh very interesting and ryan I will give you my first topic. Mm -hmm. Saturday night, I'm watching Big Bang Theory there, finishing up the show. I, I, I was in season 11, and I just basically powered through it all weekend and ended up watching the finale Sunday night. Didn't watch the Rumble, by the way, like I talked about. I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't think it was beneficial to pay nine bucks 
for something that was going to be, I was going to be charged for in March because there's only 28 days, you know what I mean? 31 in January, I would have been charged March 1st and then it's on Peacock. So I, I, you know, I didn't feel like that was necessary, but in the middle of the night, Stafford golf. Wow. What a blockbuster trade. Pretty pretty incredible that everyone's just kicking Detroit and saying Jared Goff is is about to fall off a cliff and he they that he doesn't have it and that he's the reason that this trade is either a not blockbuster or b it's just you know LA's winning the whole thing when Detroit doesn't win anything at all first of all let me let me tell you that's not true I do think there is something though to him when you watched him under Jeff Fisher then you put Sean McVay in. There is something to that. There is a huge chunk in that. So if he can have a good, successful, let's just even not even say first season, but a first half under Dan Campbell or breaking kneecaps, folks. If he can have, if he can have a good um, first half, even first quarter, first four weeks under uh, Dan the Man Campbell soup kneecap then, I mean, people can finally stop saying that he's a system guy, but I think what's impressive about it is it's just L.A. keeps – they keep clearing cap space when they don't have any to clear, and then they get big trades like these, like Jalen Ramsey or, or whoever, and they keep going all in, and eventually I, – I don't mean to laugh, but eventually it has to pay off for them, right? Like they can't keep putting all their poker chips in the table – and it not paying off it has to eventually yeah it, it seems odd because they I actually just read something on social media somebody I think it was a Rams front office exec basically saying something along the lines of it's not that we don't value first round picks but how many times do you hit on first round picks so if we're able to leverage that into more capital and, and use those other picks to select more role or, or top-notch players in other rounds isn't that what we should do? And you're right. I mean, now the, the argument of that on the Ram side is how good has Aaron Donald been? It certainly, we're not going to discredit him, but you know, looking at Jared Goff, I don't, I don't think Jared Goff has been a superstar. You, you may look at him and say, Oh yeah, you know, he's been a serviceable quarterback. And, and I think that's what he's been, but for the number one pick, I, I don't think he's been, the superstar. He's certainly not a Peyton Manning. He's certainly not, he's certainly not a other number one pick quarterback, Terry Bradshaw, somebody that's won a ton of games or excuse me, anything like that. I almost think it'd be more like a Carson Palmer uh, when it comes to like a, a, a number one pick at quarterback serviceable, does the job, does it fine, wins games. But he's not, he's not that star that's going to just jump you completely over the hump. And, and I think some of that comes down to the other members. It's, it's a quarterback league, but it's not all a quarterback game. You have to win in other areas. But I, I think Matt Stafford, this is going to be interesting because he's basically been running a similar offense to this from, from what we can see in Detroit for years. But he's just never really had the defense or the coaching staff um, other than those couple years with Jim Caldwell to jump that to jump that hump, but it might be a little interesting with the Rams. Now they they give up a little bit to get it to to pull Stafford in, but 
I think it'll be interesting to see with Jared Goff now with the Lions. Now, I understand this is a change of coaching staff. It's not Matt Patricia um, there anymore. But I think it's going to be interesting with Detroit now because with with the new coach and a new regime, they're going to look at a young a young player like Goff and say, okay, he may not be the biggest and baddest quarterback, but can we bring him in to be serviceable and build around him? That's ultimately what it's going to come down to is Detroit's going to have to get out of their own way with this because I think you're going to see Matt Stafford blossom in LA because he's been good for years. He's just been stuck on a bad team, but it's really going to matter in Detroit, how they use these picks and use these players, because I think this could be a win-win trade. There have been trades and in notable in sports history where it works out well for both sides, because sometimes you just need a change of scenery. I think this could fall into that category. If, if Detroit uses the picks, well, golf performs at his rate, and I don't think Stafford's going to regress at all. I think he'll look better in the Rams offense with, with a coach and, a, and an organization that supports and is behind him fully. Yeah, it's it's big for him to have finally a coaching staff that he can trust and he's no and he knows that like hey we've we've been to the dance we lost you know seven thirteen six it's still kind of crazy to, to me that that was the score in that Super Bowl but you know. The, the problem is everyone thinks golf's a system guy and it almost strikes me kind of similarly like when Drew Bledsoe went from New England to Dallas, everyone said the same thing. Drew Bledsoe's a system guy and he really fell off a cliff obviously in Dallas and he didn't get him anywhere. I, 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 I don't think it's that type of comparison, but what I do think is a, there's a problem. Dan Campbell's not offensive minded. We're breaking kneecaps. Second, the the big problem is who's the weapons who are the weapons in detroit is ap really going to return at 36 38 whatever he is now 37 and that i don't even know how old he is who's their wide receivers who do, who do they have out on the outside who do they have it tight in i mean all, all these kind of things and i don't know if if golf is Andrew Luck type-esque or Peyton Manning type-esque where he can carry them into the playoffs by himself with no weapons at all. I mean, he has to have at least one guy and maybe they draft someone in the draft, but right now it's just, I don't know. I feel like they could end up going five and 11 or four and 12 and no one would be shocked, but they would still feel like they had a franchise QB. I, I think he is a franchise guy. Just he needs to prove it without McVay. Well, and I think that's I think that's still what it kind of comes down to in the uh, in the scheme in Detroit is is they're going to have to use these picks well to make this trade pay off because if you give Jared Goff the uh, the same amount of offense and weapons that Matt Stafford's had, it just it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter if you have good capital if you can't use it, and that's really what has kind of been the problem for Detroit. I mean, T.J. Hawkinson's a fine wide receiver, but or a fine tight end, I should say. But the, the Lions are poised right now picking at seventh in the draft to pick up a, a weapon. Now, there might be other needs that they address, but at seven, they are poised to pick up a, a good receiver. Um, they won't take a running back that high, but th there's still talent available in the second and third rounds. I, could they lean on DeAndre Swift? Maybe, but with the new coaching regime, it, it can switch up. But the weapons is really what it's going to come down to. Look, they need some receivers on the outside. Even when Calvin Johnson was there, they really couldn't give him a great second. Um, now, there were a couple guys, um, and the names elude me right now, that, that could contribute and, and get separation and get open to ease that load. But 
you need a really good number one receiver and serviceable two and three guys to really make quarterbacks shine. But it all starts up front, too. You need to solidify your offensive line. We understand that. So make that your first priority. Get those weapons around them. And you have a couple years to do this because I think one of my biggest pet peeves in the NFL in general is the consistency when it comes to coaching and coaching staffs. Someone doesn't perform after one year, like, oh, well, we got to get rid of him. We got to try somebody else. Not every team is built to succeed in the first year that a new coaching hire comes in. I'm sorry, but that's just not it. If, for example, if Robert Sala does not pan out with the Jets this upcoming year, you can't say it's time to fire him because your franchise has sucked for 10 years. That, that's, not a, that's not a fair statement. The Lions are in that, they're in that realm. The Lions consistently pick in the top 10 in the draft. If Dan Campbell comes in and has a subpar year and does it again next year, you can't be upset at him because the franchise has been tanking for the last decade and a half. I'm sorry, but that's just not how it goes. Use your capital right, build the team the right way, bite a few kneecaps, and, and get this team where it needs to be. Because the Lions can be that. But, it, but it's also a question of the franchise, because this is also a franchise that's never been to a Super Bowl. We've done this. We've done this game fifty some odd times. They've never been to one, and they have not won an NFL championship since the fifties. If you, if uh, our listeners remember remember Bobby Lane, probably not. But that's that's what we're talking about here. So use your picks right. Invest that capital. Get golf a couple guys. A little bit of protection. Solidify your defense. We'll see what happens in three to four years. That's my window for this. Because again, the the consistency in coaching staff is what matters to me. Yeah. Yeah. So Ryan, I'm gonna keep it on my side. We're gonna do uh, my my uh, final topic here, and then we'll then we'll go for you. How's that sound? I love it. Let's do it. So, I I love uh, stories about the Olympics. Like anytime they happen, because the the Olympic process is so fascinating. I remember, like last year, is when. LA and like a joint group of cities got picked for 2028 to host the Olympics. So, I mean, it's like, they plan these things like eight, 10 years in advance. And I mean, I find it all fascinating that it's probably going to happen in a COVID year. And that brings me to my story here. Look, we've talked about the Olympics on our last episode, but things have changed. Tokyo's now starting to feel like, hey, we're going to have to do this. We can't push it off and, and delay it or even move it to different places or, or whatever. So, But their fear is that they're not pinning their hopes on the vaccine. The, their fear is that people are going to come there in waves in an already very crowded city and environment, either A, be vaccinated or B, not be vaccinated. But either way, COVID is going to have a massive spike in Tokyo um, and they're not pinning their hopes on the vaccine. They're, they're trying to take extra precautions as much as they can. That comes from the Japan newspaper. I forget what it, what it's called. I forget, I forget um, the, uh, the name of the newspaper, but it, it comes from a Japan newspaper. So, um, and yes, I did put Google translate. So it did pop up in English, not in Japanese. <laughs> Well, I, I know I wouldn't have been able to read that either. So respect to the bilingual and, and multilingual people. But look, the Olympics, the Olympics, I think, need to happen in some regard because it would be 
it would be devastating to not have the Olympics. And, and we've talked about that, something that has happened for thousands of years, really, you know, dating back to the days of the Greek mythology, which, I mean, we're not going to get into that, but, you know, basically this is something that I feel like if, if is canceled, it, that's, that's one of the stories of the pandemic as it pertains to sports already is, is that we had to cancel the Olympics and push them back a year. If you just flat out cancel them, then, then you're really talking about something that is <laughs> something that's major, but I understand Tokyo's concern because you want to you you want to be able to monitor it and you want to be able to keep the athletes safe. But you also understand that people are are probably going to come there too and it depends on travel restrictions. There's there's probably a lot of government that's involved in this that we won't get into because I'm sure it has to do with regulations and how every government and such goes, but I think what you need to do is I think you need to basically almost kind of what they do with the athletes anyway. If you can confirm negative tests and you can basically bubble these athletes in a village of sorts. I mean, if you have to do it in front of no fans, you do it in front of no fans. That's, I mean, that's just the reality of it. And I think that if you basically, excuse me, if, if you kind of bubble these athletes and force them to say, hey, look, if, if you want to do this and you know how hard you've worked to do this, you have to be diligent to do it. I mean, there's still going to be that chaos though. You know, you, you may only be in Tokyo once in your life. You want to see things, you want to do things. I get that. It kind of, it kind of reminds me of the Super Bowl in some sense to where, you know, you tell these players, oh, you can't go out. You can't do this. You can't do that. But these guys are probably thinking I might only get to do this once. And I understand that side of it too. Not saying it's right. Not saying that they shouldn't follow the protocols and, and be a part of that, but it's going to depend a lot on how Tokyo pulls these regulations to say you're either basically in this bubble to stay, or, I mean, could they kick people out? I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know how that would work if the Olympics or, you know, the Olympic oversight committee or whatever you would call it would, would do that. But I mean, I, I think you have to have them. I think you have to push forward and, and find infrastructure to have them, whether it be in Tokyo or somewhere else, but I, I really feel for the athletes basically depriving them of everything that they've worked for because this is the Olympics aren't just something that happens every four years. It's, it's people that work for it for that amount of time. And even before that, to finally meet their goal, to perform on their biggest stage, to not be able to do it, it, it it's tough. And it's people that are work daily jobs like accountants and, and, you know, uh, people in media you know what I mean like they they work jobs like the rest of us they're not like you know they're not like LeBron James you know what I mean they're not making millions of dollars like unless you're like Michael Phelps or one of these special athletes who have massive amount of endorsement deals like you know a, a field hockey player is not gonna make what Michael Phelps is so I feel like the Olympic committee is probably already trying to wrap their head around it anyway, because it would be chaos if it got delayed another year. And then you have the winter Olympics that you have to worry about on the back half of this, just four or five months right after August anyway. But then if you were to delay it another year, you have the summer Olympics and winter in the same year and the massive amount of planning that would go into both of that, I'm sure is just chaos already. The fact that they're so close together anyway, but because, I mean, they're for the most part, they're kind of in a calendar year, if you think about it. I mean, you know, what, five, six months apart from each other. So it, it's – and 
it's one of my life goals to go, go to an Olympic game. I would love to go to France in 2024 if I can afford it. I would love to go to LA in 2028. I, it's just summer, not winter. I don't want to go to winter. I'm not, I'm not going to winter Olympics. Um, but, you know, the, these are things you have to take precaution of. And there's so, there, there's so much money in the Olympic Games. It's, I would imagine there's probably more money involved in the Olympic Games just as much, if not more, than like events like FIFA World Cup or, mm-hmm. you know, any, name any event, the Super Bowl, whatever. There's mm-hmm. probably way more money involved in that because – and look, we're not going to go into like super COVID details like you said, but I'm sure every government, government is completely different. I mean, maybe by that time, the U.S. is like, okay, any athlete can go over. But maybe like people in like New Zealand or Australia, they're like, hey, you have to have this, 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 and this to go over. I, it, it's all going to be very confusing, but they have to have them because it's important and people work their whole lives for, you know, the chance to be on the Olympics in whatever capacity. World politics is not my strength. No. Um, the NFL is probably my strength in being able to talk about those things. But, you know, the opposite side of that is as far as as far as you talk about the money that's involved with it, you're right. As far as like a one, you know, a one, if you look at an individual event or a tournament or something like that, it probably has it. But I think one of the reasons that you know, people don't see this as, as pressing is, is kind of what your first point was about the athletes people don't really care about the other athletes and they wouldn't even know who they are by name, but that's, but that's not the point. The point is, is that these athletes are the best in the world and they should have their opportunity to compete on that stage. I think about, um, I guess it was 20, 2016. That'd have been the last Olympics, right? Um, the WVU student who won the first gold medal, Jenny Thrasher and air rifle. I mean, they'd be deprived of that opportunity and you'd never be able to do it otherwise. I mean, that's something that you, that you will take with you forever. And I mean, yeah, if, if you didn't get to do it, you wouldn't be like, Oh yeah. I mean, I, I could have been in the Olympics, but I couldn't do it because of this, but that's not how you want to do it. But, but the part of the problem is, is people look at just for example, and I'm not trying to throw sports under the bus here, but you know, if you look at like the fencing people, the fencing community cares about them, but there's not people out there advocating for the fencers being like, well, they need to perform on the world stage. People want to see the big athletes and they want to see the big names or the big sports, but people don't care about the other ones. So I think that's part of the reason why people aren't as, aren't as hot on this issue because they're like, nah, I don't need to see it. It's country pride for a couple of weeks. No, like this is an opportunity for those athletes to perform. And as much as you like the NFL or as much as you like the NBA, whatever sport of choice you have, this is their Super Bowl, and they deserve the opportunity to do it. And, and I'm, I'm for it. I want them to do it. I may not know all these sports in depth, and, and I apologize that I don't know any prominent fencers, but I want people to have their opportunity. That's what this is about. That's what the Olympics is. And last thing I'll say, let's not forget the opening ceremonies, the amount of money that just goes into the opening ceremonies, the, the city that it is hosted in, for that two week period, the amount of planning that goes in to the opening ceremonies is ridiculous. I mean, just go back and YouTube and watch the 2012 opening ceremonies or the 2016 or the Beijing opening ceremonies. That was, you know, phenomenal watch with the drums and stuff. Like those are things that stick in my mind. Like these aren't things that I forget. So, 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, you can make things happen. I mean, the Australian Open is is getting ready to happen, I, I think, here soon because there's like not limited capacity. There's like actual crowd gatherings, like full capacity for the Australian Open. So you you do it the right way and, and all those kind of things, and you know, ho- hopefully we can get back on track. Yeah, I certainly hope so because I want to see the Olympics. Look, I understand that my my interest in it is it's country pride for a couple of weeks and I kind of dogged those people, but you know, this, this is bigger than, than the fans saying, Oh, we want to have country pride. It's, it really is an opportunity for those athletes to perform. So hopefully they have that chance, but um, looking into another one here. Um, now I know we're not going to be the big Super Bowl coverage show. Everyone pretty much has that taken care of. There's so many other stories out there, but uh, one thing I want to look at with this with this Super Bowl specifically and, and this specific segment is the quarterback matchup. So much is always made about the, you know, the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, players in the Super Bowl, really, uh, and, and everybody wants to analyze every single matchup. But let's look back through history here, because I, I might even be willing to make the argument that when it's all said and done, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes could be the greatest Super Bowl matchup of all time between quarterbacks. Um, so I, I took a little bit of liberty to, to look back and, and see some of the other great ones as far as big-name quarterbacks. Now, there are some great teams and great games and some other good matchups, but I, I picked out five here that I really think stand out as the top quarterback matchups of all time. Uh, and I don't have the Super Bowls beside them. I apologize. You guys can do this. Uh, we're just looking at names here. Terry Bradshaw and Roger Stallback, two Hall of Famers. Uh, actually, all of these are, are Hall of Famers or potential Hall of Famers. Joe Montana and Dan Marino. Mm. Joe Montana and John Elway. Mm. John Elway and Brett Favre. Drew Brees and Peyton Manning. Mm. And then now this one with Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. So again, some other good ones, other, you know, Hall of Fame or very legendary matchups of quarterbacks, but really these are the six that stand out. Um, you know, as, as far as where this one will ultimately rank, where do you think without seeing the game, you know, we're, we're throwing that one out of, of the quarterback matchups, where does this one really rank in those names? Well, it's funny you bring up the Joe Montana, Dan Marino, because in Joe Montana, John Elway, because I'm pretty sure in both of those games, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure in both of those games, they dominated the teams Correct. they were playing. Like, <laughs> Correct. Dominated them. Like, I think one, I think the Elway game was a 50-burger. Yes. Um, I think that's the largest deficit. I think that was the 55-10 yeah. game, if I'm not mistaken. So, <laughs> I think for me, actually, my favorite quarterback matchup of all time, when you look back at it, um, I don't really remember the game because I was young, but if it's probably Kurt Warner, Tom Brady, mm-hmm. Kurt, Kurt Warner had won the um, MVP that year and Tom Brady ended up winning first of six Super Bowls and ended up winning the Super Bowl MVP. Mm-hmm. So you could look at that matchup. You could also look at uh, Kurt Warner, Big Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a pretty phenomenal game. And I remember thinking when Larry scored that touchdown games over, and then San Antonio Holmes, who uh, we haven't heard from since that catch, apparently, um, you know, caught a t- touchdown in the end zone with with two feet. Um, I, I think he's somewhere 
pro- probably doing something with football. I, I haven't heard from him since, but I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's good quarterback matchups in there. Um, I mean, there's, there's also unusual ones. I mean, right. You have Joe Flacco, Colin Kaepernick, you have Peyton Manning, Russell Wilson, where they dominated Peyton. You have Peyton and Cam. You, there's so many different quarterback combinations, but for me, I do, <laughs> I do not put um, this one at the top because I think ultimately what's going to happen is, yeah, it'll be a good game, but I don't, I honestly don't know if the quarterbacks are going to duel. I feel like it'll be more of a, of a defensive type of game, mm-hmm. ironically, because I feel like Tampa Bay's made the adjustments. And obviously we haven't seen the game, but I feel like they will make the necessary adjustments after getting smoked on that primetime game a couple, uh, you know, what, a month and a half, two months ago now against Kansas City mm-hmm. in Tampa. They will make so many necessary adju- uh, adjustments that they will stop Kansas City and end up winning that game. Yeah, well, I can't believe you didn't say that Trent Dofer and Kerry Collins was your favorite quarterback matchup. Kind of, kind of crazy that that wasn't in your in your top there from the uh, Ravens Giants Super Bowl. But uh, you know, you're 100 right. The Montana ones, I mean, basically were just it was Montana and the 49ers. They were the superior teams. Um, the the Bradshaw and Stallback went up a couple of Hall of Famers. That was that was actually a really good game. The Steelers came out on top. I believe the final was 35-31, uh, Super Bowl ten, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but but I think Brady Mahomes actually really does have the potential to be number one all time. And actually, opposite on your end, I really think it does have the opportunity to be a quarterback matchup because look, Patrick Mahomes even last year, whenever it looked like they contained him, they did not. So I, I think Mahomes will still be his same Mahomes self, and I think he'll really try to take over this game. Um, but I, I think a lot is made about these quarterback matchups, and, and there's some other ones. Actually, your uh, your Warner, your Warner and Brady one was one that I actually considered on this list because it's two Hall of Famers, uh, like Bob Greasy and Fran Tarkenton played in a Super Bowl against each other, two Hall of Famers. But again, when when you're talking about the actual game as it pertains to it too. I think this one really has the the potential to be close. And, and of course, the Elway and Favre game was close. That's the um, Elway helicopter game, which people, if, if you've not seen that highlight, you're living under a sports rock. I'm just, I'm, I apologize um, if, if, if you haven't. Um, Drew Brees and Peyton Manning was even a good game too. And I know it was Manning throwing the interception that kind of sealed that in that sense. But that was another good game between those teams. But I really think that Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, look, Mahomes and, and Garoppolo was fun last year. Now, for the more the fact that uh, Patrick Mahomes kind of came in and, and owned the rest of that game, Garoppolo didn't do too much at all. And, and that's kind of what makes that one lesser, in my opinion. But this is going to be fun. This is the this is when we look back at this game, I think we may see it a little bit more finely. And of course, if it's a 55-10 blowout, then it's not as fun. But point is is when we look back at this game and let's just say 15 years um tom brady is the king of the super bowl to to play in as many as he has i think it's it's just absurd everyone knows this we this is well documented but patrick mahomes is on this same trajectory he's been a starter for three seasons and he's played in two super bowls kind of sounds like the guy he's playing against right Patrick Mahomes is on a wrecking path with with this, and I, I think that he's going to be seen in a similar light 
So in 20 years, if, if Mahomes has played in 10 Super Bowls, I don't know how many he'll play in. But if he plays in a similar amount of Super Bowls, we'll look back on the Super Bowl very fondly to say it was almost like a changing of the guard. Now, that's not a, a saying that I like to, to use a lot when it pertains to sports because, you know, people get old and that stuff happens. But that this is kind of what it almost feels like. Tom Brady is clearly on the back half of his career. Maybe not clearly. The man looks like he could play till 65, but he's, he's closer to done than he is beginning. And Patrick Mahomes, we really just feel is beginning. I, I don't know. I, I think we could look back in this in, in 20 years and be like, wow, we really saw the greatest Super Bowl matchup of all time between the two best quarterbacks maybe ever. That's pretty bold. That's pretty bold. I mean, um, yeah, everyone just is putting Patrick Mahomes in the like the class of Brady already. But like, hey, I mean, he's only two seasons in. I mean, the, the way I compare it is let's wait and see because mm -hmm. Russ was in two Super Bowls, you know, two out of his first three seasons. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll wait and see. But what I do find fascinating about the whole thing is we did not even talk about one of the best matchups of all time, probably Rex Grossman versus Peyton Manning and also the Harbaugh Bowl. I miss saying that the Harbaugh, Harbaugh Bowl. The miss Harbaugh Bowl. Yeah, I miss saying that. Um, <laughs> that that was what people referred to as the Super Bowl that year, the Harbaugh Bowl. Yeah, well, that was actually, as a Steeler fan, that was actually the worst Super Bowl ever, in my opinion, because, you know, fans of teams are like, oh, you know, I don't want anybody to have the same amount as us. And in you know, the Steelers, six Super Bowls, 49ers had five. So if they won, they would tie at six. So Steeler fans immediately say, well, I don't want the 49ers to win because I don't want people to have the same amount as us. Then they look back over and they're like, well, I don't want the Ravens to win because we're Steeler fans and we're supposed to hate the Ravens. So who do you actually want to win this game? So as a Steeler fan, that was probably my least favorite Super Bowl to watch just because it wasn't really going to bode for bode well for me either way as, as a fan or probably many others too. Yeah, and we didn't talk about Rich Gannon versus Brad Johnson. Oh, what a game. What a matchup. Uh, from was superstars. Uh, last time ABC, you know, got the – well, no, that was the Hasback, uh Steeler game, uh, the last time ABC got the Super Bowl for ABC and all that. But, yeah, no, I mean, there's been some good ones. I mean, we didn't even talk about Russ Tom. Russ and Tom, I mean, mm -hmm. that game just in itself is still talked about as this day. Like, what was Pete Carroll doing? <laughs> like, throwing the ball. Like – I just saw that highlight today, actually. Interesting. It's still mind-blowing. Yeah. I just saw that highlight today. And 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 people say, is it the greatest Super Bowl moment ever? I don't I don't think it is, I personally, but that's yeah, that's still a crazy game. But also remember too, now it wasn't Phil Sims because he was hurt, but what our our alma mater has a Super Bowl with Jeff Hostetler at quarterback yeah. filling in for Phil Sims back in the eighties uh, over, over, I, I believe it was Jim Kelly was yeah. the, was the matchup. So, yeah. So West Virginia on the board there. We kind of love that. We kind of love that for the alma mater. Uh, just another thing WVU fans can, can really uh, make a nuisance about. Did you know that Patrick Mahomes didn't beat Skylar Howard at all when he was in Morgantown? No, I didn't, but um, they, uh, I don't, what is, I don't even know what Skylar Howard's doing now. He was like the, uh, and you know, if, if Skylar Howard is by any shot of the world listening to this, please correct me if I'm wrong, but he was quarterbacking a team in Japan 
who won the Japan football championship or something. And basically that's my point of this is if, if we're looking at this all time, if, if you really want to hang, if, if your hanging hat moment as a fan of a team is, is that the greatest quarterback in the game of football today did not beat your college quarterback twice. Uh, you, you need something better to find because I, that's just not, that's just not it. Um, you know, West Virginia fans, you might only be able to say we have more Super Bowls than Patrick Mahomes for a little bit of time or as many because it's it's looking like we're on the right direction here. West Virginia does have a Super Bowl MVP, too, though. Just yeah. fun fact. And uh, and Pat McAfee uh, won one when he was in Indy. So but another good show. But hopefully we can uh, get a guest for Friday uh ryan but if they want to hear any of these show ideas discussion of course we're going to have a super bowl super bowl heavy heavy show on friday where do they find all this yeah so also too if if you know who that super bowl mvp is please tweet me please well not me don't tweet me tweet the show i i don't like to be tweeted tweet the show um ryan on survivor hashtag ryan on survivor yeah we need we're going to get that more going here. We're going to just keep tagging survivor because they need to know, but uh, Ryan on survivor. And then also let us know who the Super Bowl MVP is. It's a pretty easy look up, but you can find us on Apple and Spotify. That's where the show is hosted. So that's where we know you're listening to us. Make sure you like subscribe and rating the show, but also find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. That's where you're going to tweet us. That's where you're going to tweet the hashtag to get Ryan on Survivor because we need that to happen. We also want to know who the Super Bowl MVP is, but find us on Instagram, find us on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, all of those. We are Two Ryan Sports Show. So find the show on Apple and Spotify. Find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Two Ryan Sports Show. At Two Ryan Sports Show. And we'll see everyone Friday for a huge mega Super Bowl preview. And uh, looking forward to it. See everyone Friday. Get ready for the big game. We'll see you then.